a listener production. Hi, I'm Helen McCabe, founder of Future Women, a club helping women to connect, learn and lead. Over my career, I've run teams inside newspapers, edited a magazine and launched my own business. This has meant building a team from scratch, leading through difficult times and managing the odd crisis. I've never had any leadership training because I thought you were either good at leading or you weren't. I thought being decisive was a key metric for success. I was wrong and it led me to make simple but avoidable mistakes. In this series, I'm doing what I should have done years ago, reaching out to people who I admire, who have also successfully run teams across all types of industries. So I can ask their advice on some of the common leadership challenges. These days at Future Women, I head a fully virtual, fully flexible business. So for example, during COVID, Future Women's creative director, Paddy Andrews, worked out of a caravan while traveling through remote parts of Australia with her husband and two children. And it was completely seamless. But can that level of flexibility work across every industry? What if you're Angela Fox, the senior vice president and managing director of Dell Technologies? Can a team leader work out of a caravan and still inspire, motivate, and feel a genuine connection to their employees? My guest today is a thought leader on these tricky and new workplace leadership challenges. Angela, welcome to the Future Women Leadership Series. How did you manage the transition from a corporate role into the role that you have today and the role that you love doing, which is in the tech industry? So I've actually been in the tech industry since I left university. So I actually joined a graduate program in the tech industry. And so it's really been a journey to where I am today. And and actually, quite uh, ironically, only yesterday had the opportunity to share the stage with a colleague who actually joined that graduate program with myself some 30 plus years ago for us to sort of share with a cohort of women in my organisation who are part of a Mentor Connect program that we run. And really what we were sort of both articulating and illustrating to them is that just like your journey in life, your journey in your career has got many twists and turns. And some of where you land is where you've planned to be and uh, some of the opportunities that you have along the way aren't necessarily planned. They may present themselves, maybe that you then need to sort of step back and say, okay, am I going to take this opportunity? Am I going to seize it? Am I going to take the risk that could be associated with it? But all of those things just sort of build as as in life to the experiences that you gain along the way. So I would say that it's the experience that I've had in my previous roles, the willingness to take on new challenges, take my family and myself to different places. I started my career in New Zealand. The listeners may pick up on that Kiwi accent. Uh, It's hard to drop. But now, you know, a dual citizen of Australia and New Zealand who along the way uh, decided to move to Australia to take on opportunities at the time in my career and then along the way again took the opportunity to move to Singapore and then back here 70 years ago uh, to lead our Australian New Zealand business. So, you know, it's it's a journey of twists and turns, opportunities along the way. How important would you say those early relationships that you form in your career are to your success later in your career? I think that all comes back to that good old saying that says, you know, there is so much value in a network. So I do think that some of the learnings that you have uh, early on 
they do somewhat define who you are. I think there are characteristics that you build, experiences that you have that mould you to be who you are. So, you know, I'm a great believer that who you are and the values that you portray and, and live every day sort of define you. And so to remain true to those irrespective of what you're doing and who you are and what rank you are in any organisation is actually really critical. And those relationships that you have around you are also defined, I think, by those values and how you choose to live them. I talk about this a lot when we're mentoring young women because I think it's something we can miss when we're forming those relationships early in our career. But they really are the ones that you lean on as you get older. Well, certainly in my experience. Is that your experience as well? Absolutely. I think hold on to the ones that serve you well and uh, to those that perhaps haven't been a positive experience. Clearly, you move on and and you take from those um, insights on how you may choose not to engage, how you might not choose to lead. Uh, But I think along the way, it's just, I mean, it's a constant learning, isn't it? I think you definitely want to preserve and, and nurture those relationships that have been there for a significant period of time. But I think the nature of individuals moving around, operating in different markets, moving between companies, forming their own companies, doing different roles. There are so many relationships that you can develop along the way. So I think while absolutely you want to hold on to those that have been enduring, there is so much to be taken from um, every relationship along the way that you're forging. I want to talk about those relationships in the tech industry early in your career that might not have been as good um, at some point as well. But tell me, what sort of leaders did you encounter early in your career? As you enter an organisation with youth and and enthusiasm, you know, your ambition is unbridled and you're not putting barriers up for yourself. And I think sometimes with um, age and wisdom, sometimes I think that's something we do do to ourselves. We start to sort of put in place these false barriers sometimes. Um, And I do see women perhaps do that more frequently than men. What do you mean when you say women often put up false barriers? Look, I think we start to potentially at times convince ourselves of what we can't do or, you know, you keep hearing about this, you know, and studies show it. There's these studies that actually women don't necessarily have the confidence. They're not putting themselves forward when they don't think they've got all of the skills. And really, I think, you know, one of the things that we need to do as females in business and female entrepreneurs is sort of let that go. Like the reality is the world's our oyster. Yes, there will be twists and turns. There will be bumps. There will be potentially barriers put in front of us. But I think this is where you come back to your earlier comments around network and drawing on relationships that you have and who you know can be part of not only giving yourself the confidence, getting rid of that little sort of crow in your ear that's sort of chirping about what you're not capable of. And so I think you can draw confidence from that network in those moments of doubt and really, you know, think about, yes, you're going to be in situations as a female perhaps where you might be the minority and and therefore your voice may not be being heard or how you're saying it, how you're delivering it may not be resonating if it's to an audience that's perhaps not coming from the same perspective that you are. But there is just so many people around you, I think, who are willing to help and, uh, you know, guide you along that path. And 
you know, I think it's just, you know, have that, comp- I talked yesterday about, you know, sometimes in those, you know, everybody, doesn't matter what role you are, what experience you've got, I'm sure you'd say this of yourself, you know, at times we all have self-doubt. That's human. But sometimes it's just about how you present. It's like stand stand up, stand tall, you know, shoulders back, chest out. You know, it's sort of, it's taking command of the opportunities as they present themselves. What sort of leader would you say you are? Look, I think there's a lot of theory, isn't there, around leadership. And I continue to be on my own learning journey from my own leadership experience. And I think that I would say that I am self-aware. I have strong people management skills and and through that sort of self-awareness, I'm also perceptive. I guess I don't see myself as having one distinct and definite leadership style. I think I'm a leader that uh, shows loyalty to my people, who leads from the front. And, you know, the learnings that I've taken is that it takes many leadership styles to be successful. So, you know, at times you might need to use a more coercive style in the situation that presents itself um, versus an affiliative style where, you know, I probably lead more predominantly with an affiliative style if people come first. But at times, any leader at times needs to, you know, you need to be changing your leadership style dependent on the situation and and, uh, what you're trying to achieve and, and potentially who the audience is. Do you ask for feedback on your leadership style? I absolutely do. And I guess it's a key part of the culture of our organisation as well. Like many organisations, we have a regular annual tell-dell in our case, where you get very direct feedback from your leadership and the people that you're leading. There's some very interesting insights uh, from that. But I also ask for feedback you know, regularly from my team and how you ask for that feedback, I think, is important. And for them to see that you're listening, to actually be acting on what they're feeding back. I think you know that's probably the biggest gift you can give back to people who, who take the time to give you feedback is to show that you've listened, you've heard and you've acted. Okay, but you're the boss. You're at the very top. Two questions. One, are you ever suspicious that they don't tell you the truth? And second, if they are telling you the truth, do you open that document with great trepidation or are you like hungry for the insights? I think uh, this is a conversation we have internally. You know, when, when you're first opening that report of your Telldale report every year, there's there absolutely is, um, you know, nervousness about what it will reveal and, and uh, what feedback you think you might receive that you haven't. Um, look, I'd like to believe and I, I do believe that I do create a culture and environment around me where people feel comfortable to find their voice. But that may not always be the case. There may be a meeting that I'm in where um, you know I'm pressing a certain point where inadvertently or intentionally, you know, a person may actually feel like they can't uh, have their voice as confidently as as I might wish them to think they can. So I think it's it's awareness. And look, I think at times as a leader, you need to make unpopular decisions and you need to sometimes, as I said, take a different leadership style to a situation and that may not always sit well with whoever is, uh, you know, on the receiving end of that. I've worked for people that think that they're wildly popular leaders and everyone on the team knows that they're they're not. And I always, so I'm always really, I guess, super self-conscious that what I think might be the opinion of my leadership style 
is, is potentially not really reflected by the thoughts of my team members. Um, I think that comes back to that piece that we talked about earlier, self-awareness. And you know what, having people, you know, once again, you come back to this network, having people around you who will be brutally honest, who are going to tell you how it is, you trust their judgment, you trust their counsel, and they're not going to make it all uh, rosy and wonderful when they might have seen you approach a situation that could have been handled differently or the like. So I think, you know, when you're thinking about your network, it's not just getting people around you who are going to say wonderful things about you. It's the people that are going to be brutally honest and give you feedback that, to your point, not everybody's going to have the courage to give you. No, and I, you're making me... Actually, one of the, the hardest parts about hosting a leadership series is that you, you feel like you should be best practice as a leader. Uh, and talking to you makes me realise I've got a bit of work to do, uh, particularly on the feedback component. But it does bring me to something I really want to explore with you, and that is leading remotely. You know, in a small to medium-sized business, I think it's completely different from a big organisation. Have you noticed that difference and have you had to adjust your style leading remotely? Absolutely. Every one of us has had to change and adapt. And I think if you think about the journey that we've been on and that we're still on, as I say to people, you know, in the beginning it was a novelty. Dell Technologies is an organisation who has sort of embraced remote working for several years, you know, a decade plus. It's sort of been our mode of operandi, but not to the scale that uh, we needed to respond uh, during COVID. And I think importantly, you know, we blew our own paradigms away. Yeah, I think lots of organisations had perceptions of, well, this function can only be done, you know, face-to-face or, you know, no, we've always done it that way, so that's the way we do it. And I think what COVID allowed us all was to actually see that our people, our processes... Uh, our culture were able to quickly adapt and embrace what we had. So from a leadership perspective, though, how did that change? I think that what it's required is a, a friend of mine described it as you sort of felt like you lost your peripheral vision. So there's something about, you know, spatial awareness. And, and you know, when you're in the physical presence of somebody, you're sometimes picking up on the vibes, you're seeing the response, you're having that small talk. And I think some of that was lost through and is lost if you're not careful through this remote working arrangement. So you've got to be even more aware of picking up on the cues. I think you've got to be, look, I was highly dependent and extremely proud of every one of my people and my first line managers. How I saw people come together, they didn't need to be leaders to rally around each other, to support each other, to find ways to engage was truly inspiring. And so, you know, it really was a team effort everybody put in. Now, from a leadership perspective, I think we're possibly facing the biggest challenges we've faced now as we think about, well, what is the workplace ongoing? What does remote work look like? And how do we create environments once again that are allowing people to choose but for us not to lose the essence of some of the wonderful things that physical presence brings and when you're bringing teams together and participation and innovation and the like. So I think that is really probably our biggest challenge now as business leaders is how do we maintain and draw on the benefits of a truly hybrid 
a work environment. Where do you think it's heading? Well, it's interesting. We actually, in January of last year, in 2021, we actually surveyed over uh, 7,000 working professionals and they ranged in age from 18 and over. And it was a survey across Asia Pacific and Japan. And we questioned them on their readiness for long-term remote work and their views on what was important to them for remote work success. And it was, it's interesting, the feedback that we got. And eight in 10 employees feel prepared to work remotely for a long time, for, for you know, indefinitely. But interesting enough, only 46% felt that their company fully supported remote work. So quite interesting that they were prepared. And, th- and this is what we're seeing in our own uh, workforce. And, and as I engage with customers and partners, most people now are highly comfortable working remotely. And really, you need to find a, a very good reason to draw them back to the office and to ensure that somebody described it to me as the commute debt is actually something that they're prepared to take because people now have you know seen the efficiency of not losing time commuting and and they've seen the ability to be flexible and we talk about work life balance, don't we? Like a lot of people now, I commend a lot of people who have been far more integrated into their family life as well as their professional life and dropping children off or picking up or, you know, each playing their role in that sort of family unit if that's what they're involved in. So it's quite interesting that um, I think in order to enable successful remote work, 50% felt that their employer is doing everything they can. At the core of what we do, technology is a really important aspect of that being successful. and you know, a, a number of 50% of people felt that, you know, they had the right technology and they were set up for success. Um, the other part of it outside of technology clearly is, you know, do they have the support networks? Uh, is there, are the HR resources there uh, to support them? But interesting enough, productivity, that, that sort of technology, tools, equipment were ranked the top tech resource that employees want employers to provide. So they really that they need to feel that they're set up for success. Interesting enough, I, I needed to drop around to one of my leaders' houses to drop up. We, we'd actually, it's quite funny, it's a funny story, we'd actually had the Cancer Council. We, we do a lot in charities and, and the team have continued to come together virtually and so we did the great, the biggest morning tea and I made this huge layered cake and it was way too big for, for um, my husband, my daughter and I to consume. So I, I dropped this big slice off to to one of my leaders who lives locally. And I walked in and he's got the perfect setup. You know, he's he's got his mic, he's got his desk that's adjusting, he's got his, you know, monitor, he's got the, he's got the arm of monitor, you know, he's got his tech absolutely perfectly set up. So I think a lot of people, if they've got it right at home, they're actually feeling really comfortable to stay there and to work from there and to be highly efficient and effective. So it's an interesting, um, it's going to be an interesting sort of, I think, future of how we as leaders adapt our style to make sure that we're getting that balance. And I think we're all learning from each other is the reality. Well, certainly tech companies are often at the forefront of commentating on this stuff. We look to them for leadership in this space because they're often doing things differently and exploring different opportunities. There's a telco in this country that quite famously said, you know, didn't need to be in the office. Are you looking to other tech companies and abroad for trends in this space or are you you're focused on your own workplace and your own needs? 
I think as an organisation, we're absolutely looking and learning and, and certainly engaging with our customers and our partners. And actually, you know, I think research is, is continuing to evolve around this as, as it um, becomes more sustained. I think there's there's no right or wrong. But interesting enough, one of the things that we see drawing people back to the office is around the whole ESG. It's around the social purpose. It's around the fact that you know, employees will come to the office to be involved in community-related events or to do something that they know is going to benefit others. So I think sometimes we can overthink some of these things and when you actually par it back to the actual human and what drives humans and, you know, I've said to a few of my leaders, I think sometimes it's just getting the team that first couple of times out of the comfort of, what's become their new norm in working from home and, and actually having the teams come together and just see the spark of that, of being in the physical presence of others and, and just getting that lift and energy from others. That is all so true when you're physically present. Do you have any concerns for your female leadership team members around the, they've got very comfortable working from home, they've got multiple responsibilities and, you know, putting a load of washing on, watering the pot plants, pulling out some weeds from the garden while they're doing their job has been incredibly satisfying for them and takes the stress out of their day. But the flip side of that, is the visibility issue. Mm -hmm. If they're not in the office and they're not in front of managers, there's concern that there's going to be a penalty somewhere along the line in terms of their progression. Do you, are you tackling that and talking about that? And if so, do you, and do you think that's true? I mean, it's, it's known to be true that during the pandemic, females took on a disproportionate amount of the responsibility, perhaps in the home environment uh, during that period. Now, if that's what you want to do, that's great. But if that's something that's impacting your ability to be effective or to manage that work-life balance even more so than perhaps the challenges you were faced with previously, I mean, clearly that's of concern. So this whole area of work-life balance, is, it's a very personal thing. It is something that you need to define for yourself. But as I said, I think there are numerous studies that show that to be the case, that females have taken on the greater proportion of the responsibilities at home during that period. And we knew that to be the case in, in many situations prior. So it's only compounding an already difficult situation for some. I do think you make a very good point, not only for females, but specifically I think why it is more important to females is this whole thing around confidence, around, to your point, you do need to be intentional in making people aware of your capabilities, of your intention, of the things that you'd like to achieve. And so I think we do need to continue to adapt and ensure that those networks that might have more logically occurred or those intersections of people seeing somebody and observing them and almost, you know, then becoming a sponsor or an advocate by, by seeing their actions or their outputs or their work. Those things might need to be a little bit more deliberate and we may need to think as leaders as well as individuals how we don't lose the essence of that 
um, in a remote working environment because I think that network we know is is really important to women uh, and we know that not only in the corporate environment but also as entrepreneurs. Let's talk about generational differences. At Future Women we have quite significant generational differences in terms of the types of women we employ. I, I can see that there are generational differences to remote working and I can also see the young women in their 20s just starting out don't know anything different. They've begun work in their bedrooms. What are you seeing in that space? I'm actually seeing that the younger generation are actually the first to, in many instances, to want to return to the office. And I think part of that is creating that cohort around themselves, that that network that, you know, I think one of the things we talk about being lost is the sort of the, I had somebody next to me, I was able to turn to them and I didn't quite know how to approach something or I needed assistance. I turned to the person next to me or I got up and I walked across the floor and I knew somebody was there to help. You know, how much are we losing that? How do we, perhaps once again, I sort of talked about needing to be deliberate. So, you know, I think we're needing to think about do we set up forums to facilitate that, albeit it's not going to be quite as spontaneous. Um, Perhaps we need to think about things like that. I've got... um a young dynamic leader in the team who started from her bedroom, who when I caught up with her in Melbourne earlier in the year, her whole ambition was to put on a skirt and a pair of high heels and walk into an office because she never had a chance to do it. I know. And so when I said to her, that will, you know, wear thin pretty quickly, heels hurt and skirts are (laughs) uncomfortable. But, you know, in all seriousness, how do you lead? Are you... Are you in the office or are Absolutely. you doing? I'm, You're in the office. I'm both. I'm very much a hybrid worker. Uh, there are days when I will be entirely from home because, you know, the nature of my schedule that day says, why would I commute? Why would I waste travel time to sit on a Zoom or sit at the end of a telephone and, and uh, be having a series of meetings during that day versus, you know, there are events that I will go into participate in, um, you know, where they may be one on many events, which is a great way to reconnect and and um, re-engage with um, the team on mass versus you know consciously deciding that one on ones with my employees in Sydney, where I'm based, can be face to face again. And if it if we're able to, we talk about are you going to be in the office or shall shall we meet in the office? So you need to be far more deliberate. And what. I've observed of myself and what I've, you know, shared with others and they've shared with me is having gone through this period of it wasn't hybrid, it was remote, you need to re-establish the new norm. You have to actually take your new, what had become your new way of working and, you know, throw the balls in the air because you don't go to the office to do back to back to back to back to back, you know, Zooms, to sit in front of a screen. You know, you need to consciously factor in time where you're going to just stand up and walk out and get among the team that are actually in the office that day and actually have those water cooler conversations and have that informal engagement. So once again, it's just those are all things that you didn't think about before. You think, okay, I'm off. I'm going to see a customer, a partner, or I'm in the office today. You know, you didn't you didn't deliberately think about those things. So you know, our whole um, way of operating has had to change. I want to come back to a, a point that we made earlier. And, you know, I, I put the lens of diversity and inclusion around this again. And, 
over the years, we've done a lot of training in our own organisation around bias and unconscious and conscious bias and, you know, the concepts of privilege. And, and this, you know, I think this whole hybrid work environment really brings that to the fore because, you know, you talked earlier about youth and, and or we talked about, you know, are we, am I seeing differences in age demographics as to how people are responding or, or what they're wanting to do? You know, I think we need to catch ourselves sometimes and think about, for some people, working from home is not a choice. It, it's not good for them. It may not be good for them on a mental health level. It may not be good for them because they may be in shared accommodation. and They may have the dynamic of an extended family that they live with. Um, obligate. You talked earlier about you know, obligations where, you know, sometimes it's great to have that flexibility to pop the washing on or pull the weed in the garden or whatever, you know, as you're having a break and, and, and seeing the sun. But for some, that's actually bringing pressures into their life that weren't there before. So I think, you know, all ears as a leader, we always talk about it, but I think just, you know, you've got your radar up and being consciously aware by individual of their circumstances and what works for them and then being highly supportive of um, what they need to be successful. And I think when you get that right, clearly the rest follows the productivity, the loyalty, the overall well-being of that person is going to play out for the better. You make an excellent point because certainly the leadership textbooks that say things like, you know, people should be able to bring their whole self to work, which I'm a little bit sceptical about as a broad concept, has been the case in remote working because it's very hard to not see that you've got a 22-year-old who's working out of a bedroom every day or a a mum of two kids who is struggling to keep the door closed because the kids need something. You know, it's very much in your work day, the pressures on particular staff members. So, you know, I think it has been broadly, you know, a really great thing to have a better understanding about as a leader. It's blurred, it's certainly blurred the lines, hasn't it, of work and home. And then some days probably people didn't want you to see their full self. So there's an element of there was nowhere to hide. So every situation is, I, I, I love to use the expression, in every dark cloud, there's a silver lining. And so I think, you know, th- there is positives to be taken from it. But but you do need to be consciously aware it, it didn't play out that way for everybody. I saw a lot of cats. <laughs> we had a lot of cats turning up on the on our um, our Zoom video calls. In terms of Dell Technologies as a business, can you see changes to your product line to reflect these interesting times we live in? It's fantastic to see technology at the fore of how the and the role it played in people being able to be productive, being able to pivot extremely quickly at that point when we all needed to as we all went remote. So we absolutely see technology playing a critical role. Our technology continues to evolve and I guess what was most evident to people and probably the most trusted thing was their their laptop and their their screen. And so you've seen uh, different things sort of be even more important to people. And of course, the technology continues to evolve. And I think in the context of what we're here discussing today and and the audience, you know, we also, from a small and medium business perspective, 
really have set up ways to ensure that we're able to provide advice around the right technology. You know, you, you get sort of a little, you're probably a little bit privileged in a large corporation because lots of other people take care of that, but that's not always the case when you translate that into small, medium business or entrepreneurs. So, you know, we, it's not only the technology where we're looking for innovation, but it's also how we provide those solutions, how we create a trusted advisors dedicated, for example, to supporting small business. So how we create these networks like the Dell Women's Entrepreneurial Network, which provides opportunity for people to network and mentor and, and learn not only about technology, but also to actually learn from each other how they've adapted, changed, how they're using technology, et cetera. So it's an ecosystem. It's, it's not just the device that's in front of you. I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions that I ask all of my guests. Whatever comes first into your mind, what do you find hard about being a leader? The really tough people decisions you need to make. The tough people decisions. I agree with you. What are you good at? Collaborating and bringing people on the journey with me. Have you ever found any specific challenges in leading men? Not specifically unique to men, no. I found, I think, you know, leading people is unique. We talked earlier about, you know, being very honed in on the specific needs and of individuals and that's as challenging as it is, you know, when you look at it through a gender lens. And just finally, what advice do you have for the primarily young female audience listening today? Find your voice, have the courage. You know, you, the world is your oyster. Found the, find those around you that will support you and be part of nurturing you to be the best that you really can. So I think, you know, the sky's your limit. Seize it and take what you deserve. Angela Fox, I think you would be a great boss to work with. Thank you very much for joining us on the Future Women Leadership Series. It's been, um, it's been fantastic to chat today. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. The Future Women Leadership Series was presented by Helen McCabe, executive producer Jenny Goggin, sound production by Darcy Thompson. Listener.